What's up, guys? We are here. We are live with It's Real with Jordan and Demi. I'm Jordan, actually, <laughs> and this is Demi. Uh, we are here in a real studio situation. We are just off of Times Square in Midtown Manhattan. We are together, really for the first time, we interviewed Thurston Moore together, which was an audio-only interview, but this is really our first uh, real show together in the same spot, so we're really excited for that. And Demi, introduce our guest. Today, we this is the only guest we are doing a part two with as of right now, and it just so happens that this guest is two feet. Um, no pun intended here, but we have a special announcement for two feet. We all know he has a new album that came out. Um, let's, well, let's bring him out. Let's bring him out. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, guys? How are you? We are good. We are good. Does, do we look more professional now that we're like in the same room and you know in yeah. a sort of studio vibe? Yeah, the vibe is definitely a little uh, you know better, tighter, cleaner. So we have a special announcement. Um, Bill, would you like to make the announcement, or should I make the announcement? You you go ahead. You the great way of talking, Demi. So. Um. All right. So Two Feet is abandoning LA, and they are coming back to New York City, and they're going to take it by storm. So how was LA these past months, and why are you switching sides again? Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, we all just kind of we're New Yorkers. Huff went to high school, middle school there. I was born there, grew up there. Uh, it's just a little tough to. Um, LA is not our vibe, I guess. It's uh, people are a little too different. Um, you know, we just wanted to get back home, and we figured out a way to work in like a, a house. Kind of, you know, we used to work in our individual apartments and meet in a studio, or whatever. And we kind of learned how to work together here, so we're gonna try to replicate like the uh, sort of successful workflow we had in LA back in New York. But in honesty, New York's the best city in the world, and we just missed it, and we just want to come back home. Well, we're we're a little looking forward to having you back. You know, there's been a there's been an exodus out of New York over the last year or so of, of bands and musicians going out there. Um, producer <laughs> <laughs> Hope, shout out Hope. Yeah, shout out Hope. Yeah. So, so Bill, we want to talk you. We the last time we talked to you um, was right after was pretty close after last summer after the shutdown, and you had the unfortunate circumstance of releasing an album right at the time of quarantine and you didn't get to see your your billboard in times square but since then you've released a new album uh that you know and you know you, you seem like you always are creating new music so yeah. tell us about this whole this workflow that you got are you do, you do you sleep at all <laughs> uh not really no um so actually yeah the, the next album came out uh and there was also a billboard in Times Square that I didn't get to see either. So, uh, and yeah. that was, uh, and and that was uh, t uh, Max Mako's dead. We got to cover that. Yeah, he's dead, right? Yeah, right there, right, right there. there. Um, beautiful, he's dead. As you can see, huh? which Where's is total, which is totally departure from the previous album, the artwork yes. of the previous album. Exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm looking into the album, but I think what everyone really needs to know right now is. Who is Max Mako? And who are we talking to right now? Are we talking to Bill or are we talking to Max? You're talking to uh, Bill, uh, two feet, yeah. <laughs> um, Max Mako is basically the character, he, he started off as the character who I played on stage when I would get really nervous in front of, uh, you know, 
big festivals or big shows and I wanted to like create like a character for myself so I could like go on stage as that character and pretend to be someone else. It made me a little less nervous. So that's kind of how I got the idea from Max and Max's story kind of intertwines with Two Feet's story. And, um, you know, if you get into the album and you, you read the lyrics through as you go down the album, it kind of tells the whole story. We put out like an animation clip for it. The music videos are also part of the story. So if you're interested, uh, you know, anyone who hasn't listened to the album yet, um, you know, uh, go ahead and check it out. Because it, it, there's a bunch of stuff that kind of like a, a, like a trail that leads you through it. And it will show more of that in the live show. And there's a couple more things to come out with it and everything. Uh, it did super well for uh, an independent release it uh you know the, it chalked up over like 30 million streams in the first week and all this stuff so super uh successful uh, you know my first independent release since leaving republic so it was really great um and you know now since i'm always just like a forward-thinking person i'm actually like we're on the next i'm on I'm, i finished the next album and i already put out the first single for it like uh, two weeks ago <laughs> so <laughs> i keep rolling along here before we get into the single, which we want to talk about, um, I wanted to know what made you want to do a, a concept album, the Max Mako thing? What, what was behind? Why did you want to make a character piece so early in your career? Because you only had, you know, uh, yes. a few years worth of releases up to that. You know, a, character, a concept album is something usually people do mid-career or 10 or 12 years in, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've gotten that kind of, people have asked that before too. I think, I think it's just, I don't know, I just wanted something a little more, uh, you know, I, I just wanted something a little more engaging with the album. I wanted to make the album process more sort of fun for myself, uh, fun for the fans. Um, and I felt like creating this character who had, who, had, who had already been like part of my life kind of, um, creating this character for them to follow through and, and, and trace and, and learn about and, uh, would just be like a really fun experience. And, um, you know, I, I, in this weird way, I like, I like kind of don't take anything too seriously. Like I, a lot of musicians like take everything they're doing super seriously and everything needs to be perfect when the release comes out and this and that and that, whatever. I don't really feel that way. I just kind of flow. Like, I just kind of just like, I want to do this now. Let's just do this. If it works and people think it's cool, that's great. If they don't, whatever, I'm just going to make something else very shortly after. So I don't really care. So it's kind of just like a, this is what I want to do right now. This will be fun. You know, the pandemic had just started. Uh, I needed some distraction and it was just sort of a, a great way to like kind of enter into a world, you know what I mean? Where I could just be like this, this whole universe and distract myself and, and do very cinematic. Your music is cinematic to begin with and this is kind of making, like expanding that whole idea. Exactly, yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. What the cover art build? I mean, it's so sick. It's blue, it's neon. Someone's dead. What's going on? What was the concept behind this cover art? Uh, well, we actually went into like uh, a morgue. Um, what? Yeah. So that's a, a, like a real table that they would put dead people on. Those are actually. <laughs> right. um, that's actually Huff's hand in the white doctor's glove. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah. And uh, we put me in like that's the body bag and everything. And. We kind of took like a bunch of shots there and uh, some other shots in the morgue. But, you know, I looked through all the photos for a couple of days trying to pick like the one I liked the most. And I kind of just like that one. I I, I, I feel like I really it, it had to have this like image where it's like, is he dead or not? And I think that kind of captures it, because if you look at it a certain way, it's like, oh, yeah, that person's dead. If you look at it a different way, it's like, are they or are they just like sort of catatonic right now or what's going on with them? So uh, that was sort of the. <laughs> 
I, I think it's interesting, Bill, that you're you as a person, you're 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 fun to be around. You're 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 uh, you're bright. You're smiling, and your but your imagery is very dark and moody and macabre. So, mm-hmm. did you grow up? Um, you know, watching horror movies and scary stuff? Were you a fan of Dexter? Like, where where did this macabre side of you come from? Uh, I don't know. I just, like, I'm always drawn to it. I, I, I it comes down to, like, uh, I guess, like, cringe, I guess, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, music that's always been, like, very, or, or even, like, movies or art and stuff, unless they do it really well, like, really bright images and, like, super happy music i'm just like oh, like i can't like i don't know i just get like i can't listen to it i don't know so i just for whatever reason people are drawn to the weird things you know like uh the city council member who looks like a very happy you know smiling guy is really into bdsm who knows you know what i mean like everyone's got like, <laughs> like things that they just like for unaccounted reasons and i'm always sort of drawn to dark or scary or sexy or whatever i don't know that's kind of the best answer i have <laughs> So what can we expect from this new album? Because you guys are on a roll. It seems like you never stop releasing. Um, and I also, there's this, there's a rumor um, coming out um, that you were actually uh, doing a collab with uh, Britney Spears. Is this true? <laughs> that was good. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, I wish. I, I was a big fan of hers. My dad's a big fan of hers. He saw her in Vegas and uh, uh-huh. he's like, it's, 70 year old man and he's obsessed with Britney Spears. So uh, my family loves her, you know, free Britney. Um, but no, I wish I was. I do have some other interesting stuff though that I haven't talked about press yet. And mm-hmm. I'll let you guys know it first. So one of them is besides the next album being done and the single coming out, you know, it's 16 track album, which is kind of crazy. I just put out a different album, like, you know, two, three months ago. Um, besides that, I'm also composing the music for a movie uh, which we think is going to be distributed by A24. There's a bunch of investors promotion. You were like the A24. Like if I think about like what kind of movie you would score, it would be an A24 movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's this indie film. It's got a bunch of really great actors already lined up in it. Um, so I'm scoring that. I'm also acting in it. I can't give specifics on it. It's not a major role. I'm kind of in the first 30 minutes and my character's kind of a dickhead. I'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, so I'm doing that at the same time. <laughs> I'm doing that at the same time as writing this, uh, finishing this album and moving back to New York and all this stuff. So I'm I'm hyper busy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm I'm really excited for this next year. Uh, But I have a question for you guys. Um, I've been, so you both in New York, Um, you know, I've been seeing all my friends post stuff. Demi too, I've been seeing her. She's like on a rooftop, there's parties, there's events all the time and stuff. You know, LA is still kind of dead and everyone's like to me, Hey Bill, LA's opened up now, isn't it so much better? And I'm like, no, there's like, there's it's so still much- LA. It's, yeah, still- it's still LA. Like, there's nothing going on. So, like, my question, I guess, is, you know, is New York still? I visited a couple months ago, and everyone was outside drinking on the street. Does it still feel kind of like uh, New Orleans, sort of, or uh, is it calming down, or what? It's uh, it's, it's still pretty. It's still pretty wild. I it's mean, lit. Demi can answer this better than me because Demi is a part of the the cool kid underground rock show scene that that, know. Bill, that bill you came out of um so she can give me your, you want to take this one um okay it's very much lit we're gonna go crazy um but yeah no it it, it really is it's something something's happening right now where it almost during coronavirus it kind of looked like the 80s right mm. um people were 
bugging out. The streets look like the 80s. And I think now we're going into the 90s mm. at the end of coronavirus where there are scenes. You're going to reelect Giuliani yeah. as mayor again. Uh, it's going to be just, it's gonna <laughs> psychotic. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there are scenes happening and forming um, that weren't present before coronavirus. And people, people have this different air to them. They want to just have a good time and they're not concerned about, you know, I mean, we just went through a pandemic. So people are, there's a different air. I will say, I feel like the kind of the pretenders, if you will, were kind of swept out of New York. Um, A lot of those, I guess I was one of these, but like those, you know, 24 year old kids who their parents moved them into the apartment in Bushwick (laughs) with their friends. And they really are, they want to be an artist of some kind, but they really, yeah. Like those kinds of kids, are kind of left like mm-hmm. the ones that that stayed behind are the people that are here for ones. like except for you no no, no the people before the pandemic okay so i no blame there this was all set I mean, up yeah 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 and, and you left for, for business purposes so we can't blame you there you know it's not like it's not like you were um you know, like Bill was like, well, what is it? you know what? I really want to surf right now yeah, no. in Malibu. And so I'm just going to move to the West Coast. Exactly. Oh, yeah, my yeah. grandma spent the whole pandemic not wearing a mask. Like basically when she could, she's 90 years old. She's just walking around in a hat and like, like this, like I, it's bullshit. Like I'm <laughs> she's fine. She's still, my whole family's there. So I think yes. that's the same thing that it feels like uh, my sister who lives in uh, Brooklyn, I uh, said the same thing. Everyone's just kind of like, like all the people she didn't want to talk to anywhere gone. So I'm yeah, excited. Back. Yeah, the 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 music venues um, around here in Brooklyn and New York, some of them have closed down, but the ones that haven't closed down are starting to revitalize and and um, come up with new uh, sh- band showcases and uh, regular gigs, and the ca- the calendars are starting to fill up again. I guess you could say. Wow, Bill, you 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 know you're coming back to New York. But is there anything from LA that you'll miss besides the mm. weather? Uh, I guess I I I do. I'm, I'll miss the ocean. I, I genuinely will miss like just being able to go to the ocean super easily. Uh, it's obviously, as you guys know, it's super different in New York. You either have to go out onto Long Island or down on the Jersey Shore, but that's not really uh, it's not really the same thing. So that is probably kind of the only thing that I'll miss from this area it's the ocean i had some of your uh fans write into me last night i uh, just want to <laughs> give them give them their give them you know we want to yeah. appreciate them okay. so from alexandra um she wants to know when you'll be coming to either italy or spain okay so we might be coming to spain in um march of 2022 so you know nine months from now so i think so we have it planned out that's the closest I can give her an answer to. Barcelona and Madrid would be the two cities that we'd stop in. So okay, sick. From Carmen, she she wrote something pretty lengthy, but I mm-hmm. cut it down to what was your inspiration behind your single fire? And she says, Thank you for helping her get through a breakup last year um, with your two songs, Time Fades Away and Fucked Up. So thank fire, you, what Carmen. was inspiration? Yeah, thank you, Carmen. Um for fire, I wanted like in sort of like an '80s song. Um, you know, I kind of interjected that like sort of police riff into it. You know, um, and uh, I just wanted something that was like soaring with high vocals. Um, I, I actually initially approached that song with like not a falsetto, with just like a, a low voice. But Huff was like, I think it would sound a lot better if you just did a falsetto throughout sort of. No the song. way. Yeah, so I just kind of carried it like that, and. Uh, 
I guess that was the inspiration. I think that's one of the, that seems to be one of the most natural uh, picked up songs. I mean, it's got, you know, overall already like 15 or 20 million streams across all platforms. So that one's doing really well with basically like zero promotion. So I don't know. I just, I, I wanted like a good major key kind of vibey song. So that, that's how that kind of popped out. There you go. And I had to pick one more. Rachel says, ask him about the movie he's working on with 10 exclamation points, but you did already, <laughs> you did already just tell us. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a little bit of tea on that movie, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can give her a little more information. So my uh, the score, I'm still working on about eight songs into it. It's sort of like kind of a classical score, but also sort of like euphoria, labyrinth sounding, like some of the songs are very electronic. And then in terms of my character in the score, I am the, the main character's boyfriend, um, and she catches me uh, cheating on her uh, in sort of the beginning. And then I'm, my character's kind of a dickhead for the for it you know, the first 20, 30 minutes, and then I sort of disappeared. So that's kind of like a fun cameo for me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the first 30 minutes, it's actually unclear. I don't have a, a good answer for that. Right now they have the guy who wrote um, uh, 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. He, he's re-editing the script and everything. So uh, I'm not sure, but it's, it is sort of unclear because something does happen. But. Did you get <laughs> Bill, uh, last night we put up a tweet to promote the show uh, featuring uh, we get the, tw the tweet up there um, featuring Beautiful. this horrible puppy. So my, our question is, do, do we get a puppy cameo? She was literally right in her bed two seconds ago and Huff, Huff just took her to Starbucks. So no, he's gone. Okay. Oh, well, thanks for the effort. So no puppy cameo today. That's a little bad. So, so. That's the bad. That's the bad. That's all we get is the bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Bill, you, you mentioned that uh, you talked about fire and how you sing in falsetto in that song. Uh, we talked a lot about your guitar work. And last time we talked about how you're getting both the pop music press and then the guitar nerd press as well. Yeah. Vocally, how do you feel like you've changed or evolved or improved since, say, the Go Fuck Yourself days? Oh, well, uh, taunt. I mean, I, I basically, you know, I had I had sung before, but I, would, I never looked at myself as a singer. I was more of a producer, guitarist. You know, I would do backup vocals for bands I was in or fill in sometimes. Um, but I really figured out how to, over the past, you know, four, five years, um, just from touring and you have to sing, you know, an hour and a half every day, you know, weeks in a row and rehearsal and this and writing songs and stuff. I definitely like really branched out. I'm, I'm able to do, a, a, I don't know, just tremendous amount more stuff with my voice than I could when I wrote Go Fuck Yourself or the first EP or anything like that, really. I mean, I remember when I would go into like a random party in Bro uh, Bushwick, at, like in like a warehouse, Brooklyn, and I would just bump into Bill and he'd just be wailing on the guitar over some random person's DJ set. Yes. So only a few years ago. Yeah. And now you are touring the world, opening up for some of the biggest bands ever. I mean, how does that feel and how excited are you to go on like a headline tour and just get at it again? Uh, super excited. And yeah, Demi, you are definitely like, uh, yeah, you're one of the first people I ever met like as I started entering more into the New York scene and everything like that, you've known me for five years. It's kind of crazy, right? That, so that crazy. Now, do the interview now and you're doing great. <laughs> so, uh, just wild how that works. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm so excited. 
Uh, you know, I never imagined, you know, that we play, you know, open in Barclays Center and do arena tours. And, uh, you know, I just announced my own headline tour, one stop in New York. They actually wanted to play Terminal 5 because it's bigger. It's like 3,500. Um, but I like adamantly requested, I was like, no, 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 we have to do Webster Hall. So we, we got that Webster Hall date, which is great just because it's my favorite, yeah, favorite venue ever. Uh, I've been going there since I, before I legally was allowed to even. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that tour is selling super well. We did like 1,500 tickets in Montreal in like five minutes. I mean, it's kind of just crazy. So I'm, I'm so excited for the headline tour and uh, keep moving and uh, chatting with you guys whenever I can along the way. <laughs> outside of outside of the states, what area of the world do you feel like you have the biggest fan base, the most intense fan base? Your favorite fan base. My favorite fan base. Well, those are two different things. Yeah, I can't. Get into that. I don't want to get into any favorite because. Uh, but where, where, where where have you noticed like there's like this rabid two feet that you, maybe you didn't expect or something? Yeah. Um, so Mexico, um, we can sell out uh, about. 14,000 tickets. I mean, we have promoters there asking us to do basically arenas. Uh, that's where my largest out of the U.S. Uh, fan base is. Um, you know, when we played a festival in Mexico, um, the estimate was that we were going to have about eight to 9,000 people at our set. Uh, we ended up having about 42,000 people at the set, you know, captured by drone footage and uh, all this stuff. I mean, it was absolutely wild. They were all singing the words. So Mexico's one. And then the other one is Eastern Europe. Um, I've actually had, uh, I feel like I'm drowning as platinum in uh, Russia and Poland and Ukraine. And uh, so it's uh, go fuck yourself. And I've, uh, you know, lots of radio success there, tons of streaming success. You know, we get festival offers for, you know, six figure sums to go play out in Moscow and, and uh, places in Poland and Eastern Europe. So it's, it's sort of Eastern Europe and Mexico are in uh, Brazil uh, to a lesser extent, but also Brazil are definitely my largest uh, fan bases, um, even larger than the U.S. actually. So it's kind of crazy. Are you doing festivals this summer at all? Uh, not this summer because of radius clauses, basically, and also first dibs. Uh, so we were going to have a, a tour season last summer, obviously. Um, so we didn't have any festivals booked. So all these other artists who had these festivals booked that got canceled then have first dibs and some of the reopened festivals this summer. Also, we're playing, like I said, uh, a bunch of cities in the fall. So there's radius clauses. So you can't play like a festival and then play a venue or close uh, in the same time period because they're afraid, you know, people won't come to your show because they saw you at the festival or whatever. So not this summer. No, we don't have too much festival wise. But next summer we have uh, based on some of the offers coming in, yeah, like it, I think we might end up playing like forty or fifty festivals. So that's that so crazy. Because I just pictured like how badass you would be at Glastonbury. Like, I, yeah, we are we are actually talking about Glastonbury. I, I did Reading and Leeds already, so it'd be sick to play that one. I've never done that one. Um, and uh, we got a bunch of offers for Eastern Europe, Moscow, Russia, um, yeah. Petersburg, all over, then a ton in the U.S. So. Hopefully we got to do as many as possible. I'm really excited about that. There you go. I remember I, I, uh, I don't know how this happened, but I saw you guys after a show in Paris and I wish I had seen the show, but my question is, um, what kind of band are you guys on tour? Because when I saw you guys, you guys are super chill. I think we went to like a halal spot, like a little halal spot after, but I, I don't know. Demi. Maybe that 
the, a low-key day for you guys. What, what do you guys really like? What's the juice? Well, okay. So Demi, the day we saw you in Paris, we had played, we had played a, a show in London, right? Uh, and it ended at like 11 or 12 at night. And then we had to fly from London to Paris because we had a show the very next day in Paris. So we didn't sleep. We stayed up, drove in a taxi from like two in the morning to like four in the morning to get to like uh, Heathrow, uh, waited in the airport, finally got on the plane, flew into Paris. So we actually, when we had seen you and were hanging out with you, we had not slept in like almost 48 hours. So like to me, I insane. Yeah, I remember seeing you and I was just like, oh, I'm so fucking dead. I don't even know how to have a conversation Whoa. right now. Yeah, so that was that. But honestly, yeah, I mean, it is, we're not like, uh, some nights definitely everyone goes a little, like a little crazy. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how much I can get into, but yes, they, some people go crazy. One time, you know, we had to save one of our crewmates uh, from like a prostitute who had stolen his shoes and phone and stuff. And I just like found him running around without a shirt on being like, dude, I really need your help right now. I'm like, what the hell happened? That's so not your travel guides. Watch out for French prostitutes. They'll yeah. take your clothes. Exactly. Yeah. So then we had to like go and get an ATM and give it back to like her. And she gave him his shoes and his shirt back. Uh, but so there, there was crazy stuff that happens. Um, but, uh, on, you know, normally you play a show, you're super tired, you're traveling. Yeah. You're just like, I don't even care what we do. Let's just go get halal food. Oh, hi Demi. We love you. Hey, you know, I'm sorry. We can't talk that well right now. <laughs> like we're tired. So it goes back and forth, boring to crazy, like weird. I don't know. <laughs> what about theatrics and the stage show when you are planning these shows? What have, what have you thought about in terms of like the AV, especially because uh, Max Mako, I know you, you, that's one album and you've got other stuff to work with, but since you are so cinematic and you have such a strong aesthetic, what can people expect when they see you at these big tours in terms of the video and the lights and everything? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so for this next tour, uh, I put like $150,000, $200,000 of my own money into the promotion to, uh, not promotion, I'm sorry, production in order to make it as crazy as possible. Um, you know, we, we're going to have, you're not on a label anymore, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to have, uh, dancers, huge video walls, you know, I, I heard dancers. Huh? Dancers, pole dancers. Yeah. Dancers. Yeah. Pole dancers. Uh, well, I, I was picturing the, uh, the video for you, you had like the, the stage and the dancers and stuff like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. There, there was voguing and stuff like that. Yeah. We have that too. Um, you know, this, uh, amazing choreographer, uh, Dana, Dani uh, Vitali, uh, she did like Katy Perry's videos and stuff like that. I've worked with her. I worked, She actually did the, the video you're talking about. She's super fantastic. So hopefully we're, we're, we're planning on getting her to do some of the choreography for the live shows. But uh, this coming up live shows are going to be the biggest production I've, uh, productions I've ever had in terms of, you know, like I said, the dancers, the video walls, uh, you know, we hired a a proper director to help get some of the images properly and uh, lighting and hire the proper technicians um, for lasers and on some yeah. of the yes. pyrotechnics. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, oh. Hope, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. hope. Uh, yes. Pyrotechnics on some of the larger shows. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I, if you've seen my show before, this show is very different. Uh, we incorporated a live drummer now too. Uh, he's amazing. Um, so just kind of expect like a, you know, up 200% sort of theatrics from from earlier you know in the beginning i would just get really drunk on stage and like follow the crowd and like be in our super interactive that's when we had like no money to make the show like a little more interesting uh but now we do so 
just I, I you know, I, I reinvest in, in the, 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 the stage show. Uh, you know, I basically never make money on tour unless we do one-off festivals or, uh, you know, the panic tour or something like that. When lots of the costs are covered. But this one, you know, I, I lose money on all these tours just because I want them to look crazy. So I'm doing the same thing for this one, too. It's for the fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. For the fans. <laughs> I think it's interesting, Bill, you mentioned, you know, you don't make money on these tours. So at this point, like licensing and streaming and things like that, the non-performance stuff, that's kind of your bread and butter. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Um, he, I, I, that's, I don't even know what percentage it's basically the whole thing. I mean, I make a little money from touring here and there, obviously not this past year, but yeah, that's like 90 to hundred percent of my profits. Um, you know, I own all my records, so they have, you know, billions of streams. Um, so that just goes right. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into exact numbers. No, no, no. <laughs> How are you enjoying being independent right now? Because I know that was a major thing for you. We spoke about it last time. And you are one of those very few people that can actually do that um, successfully. Thanks. Uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's so much better. I don't. I don't. Wow. If you want to, if you want to be lazy and just let everyone else take everything, and they take ninety percent of your profits from your songs and everything else, and you're always in debt, just because you all you want to do is like kind of write the music and be funny on social media, then fine. Wow. But if you really, you know, you you're an artist and you look at your music as your art, right? But then you also have to be sort of a business person and look at you know your career as your small business and how to grow it and how to have control. This is the way to have control is to be independent. You own your records. Um, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. You can put the music out whenever you want. Um, you know, you can engage with people who you need. You, you end up making these connections for yourself rather than relying on, you know, if you work with me, you're like, I want to work with this artist. And they're like, okay, we'll reach out to them for you. Then they make all the connections. If you want to work with an artist now, you reach out to them yourself and then you start working with them and then you make that connection, you make further connections. I mean, it's really the best way to have a long career, have control of your career, have control of your life, your art, everything. I mean, I tell everybody who I know who's an art, who's an artist, any like younger musicians I know who are starting to pop off, I always tell them to try to be independent, uh, sign with a distributor rather than a label. Uh, it'll save your life. It'll, it'll make, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm buying a, a brownstone in Brooklyn, right? If I wasn't independent, there's no way on earth I would be able to do that. It's because I have control over all of these aspects. I have control over my my creative existence that I'm able to do anything right now. And I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely love being independent. Now it's easy for you. What if, what would you say to someone who's listened to that and says, "Well, it's easy for you to say you have all these dozens of songs that have all these millions of streams, so you have all this money coming in, and you have." songs that are licensed to all these tv shows and commercials and movies and stuff but what about the the person who maybe got kicked off of a small indie label you know and they're looking for another label you know right. what do you say to them well the situation is different for every person like i i what i say to them is i totally understand it right because i signed with a major label initially because i was a, a you know a really poor kid uh, and I don't, not that I came from a poor family or anything. I, I came from a middle, lower middle class family. You know, when I was young, my dad was a taxi driver, but then he started getting jobs in advertising and stuff like that. And we moved to, you know, out, out of the city and everything. But, you know, I had no money. I didn't have a college education. I was living in Harlem and I was just making music. And, you know, I, I was living on a can of tuna, whatever cash I could save. You know, I'd pick up quarters on the ground if I found them because I 
genuinely needed them. Uh, you know, so when I started having music that took off and labels reached out and they're like, here, we'll give you $200,000 for the rights to your music and for you to do an album or two or three for us. Uh, we'll give you a forward each album. I immediately signed, right? Because I, I totally understand you need money. You have no money. You have no hit songs. You have no revenue. Um, what I say to those people is this, that that even though I totally understand signing with labels at that point in time and, uh, you know, the incentive to do so, um, I would still be better off now if I had not done that, if I had just waited. If you really have true belief in your craft and you really have true belief in, you know, the money you have, the, not the money, oh my God, in, in, the, in the music you're making and the creativity and everything you're doing. And, and you get to the point where labels are actually offering you money, right? If you get to that point where people are offering you money or they're offering to sign you to their label, that means they also see that you have potential, that you have future, that, that you'll make something of yourself that you're a real artist, that there's really you know, an, a tangible thing behind you. And if that's the case, then why would you sign with them nowadays? It's not the old days where you need them to put stuff on a CD or a vinyl and ship it out. You know, you can put it online on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, um, and not iTunes anymore, actually, but Amazon, whatever you want, Deezer, Tidal, uh, YouTube. Um, by yourself, you don't need them. And if these people see this and they're offering you things, it means that they see a good investment. And so you should just invest in yourself. If that means having to be hungry for a little bit longer, uh, you know, so be it. Because at the end of the day, it'll be a better decision. And um, I, I, I firmly do, I, I just don't believe that people who genuinely make music every day, that's their passion, that's their goal. They never stop creating. I, I, I think the only people who don't, who doesn't work out for are the ones who just either stop or they just, you know, they can't do it anymore. If you just keep going and keep going and keep going, something will happen. And um, to give that away to, uh, you know, a major industry right off in the beginning, just because it's like an easier, quicker way, I think is just the enormous mistake. And I know because I made that mistake too. So if we had an audience right now, which we will um, in about a year, two, three years, they'd all be screaming. Um, how are you able to get out of your contract? Just like to close that up. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I can't necessarily talk about how I, I, I had a very long conversation with, with the people at Republic, uh, you know, had a lot of success with them. They didn't want me to leave. Uh, you know, the drowning still makes them a bunch of money. Uh, the, the deal we had was totally abusive and, and screwed up. I mean, the, the amount of money I was making from it was super small. Um, you know, basically I think a lot of it was luck. The pandemic had just happened. Uh, there's a bunch of, um, you know, social disputes, you know, George, this was around the time that uh, it was actually a little bit before, but the, the pandemic had just started, the, the country was all over the place, you know, people knew that artist tours were canceled. Uh, they kind of know that I have a big mouth on Twitter. Um, and I just like, you know, I was like, hey, I'd really like if you let me out of this now. And, uh, you know, it went back and forth for a while when lawyers talked. Um, it wasn't easy. It took a couple of months, but I that's how I got out of it. I mean, I, I don't man. mess with two feet. He will shout you out on Twitter yeah. right now. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yes. If you want to deal with this, fine, you can do it, but you should just, like, yeah, I think it'd be easier for everybody involved. That's kind of what happens. So we have the audience clapping. Yeah. Right yeah. There. There's our audience. Clap right there. Thank you, Rachel. Um, we got to wrap this up pretty quickly, Bill, but yeah. before we do, we'll end it with something fun. We have this little quick answer game that we have that Demi started. So let's, let's do that right now.
Okay, though, because you are coming back to New York City and in honor of you coming back, we're gonna play a little game called Which of These Two New York Things Do You Love More? Perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, bacon, egg, and cheese or bagel with locks? Bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, wow, okay, cool. Brooklyn or Manhattan? Come on. Brooklyn. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, getting on, getting a seat on the subway or yellow taxis? Getting a seat on the subway, 100%. Right? You just get there faster. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is funny because you said Webster Hall earlier. Uh, sweaty basement shows or Webster Hall? Oh, man. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. That's such a question. <laughs> Two different things. Yeah, they're so different. I don't know. I guess for now, I'll say just because that's where I came from, sweaty basement shows for now. There you go. Okay, the crazy guy you see every day on the corner or your favorite cashier at the bodega. The bodega cashier. Those are like my best friend. There you go. Okay, Central Park or Prospect Park? I like Central Park more. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dunkin' or Starbucks? Dunkin'. Okay. Well, um, Duncan, if you're listening right now, okay, two feet gets for you. The Ramones or Sonic Youth? Like, if you just had to pick one to listen to and one to cancel right now. Definitely the Ramones. I like wow, traitor. <laughs> that was like a loaded question because Sonic Youth is like Dimmy's favorite band. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You did it. You won, Bill. You won a trip to New York City. So, so for real, Bill, um, can you give us any dates on your U.S. tour, start to finish, for anyone's watching? Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So, some of that. Uh, L.A. is November 10th or something. I don't know. Let's start in early November, end in early December. So, I'll give you a couple of shows. Uh, we're playing uh, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, Montreal, uh, New York, Austin, um, and then a couple. I forget the other ones. But those Everyone are passes over my hometown of uh, Kansas City. I'm from Kansas City. Everyone passes oh. over Kansas City. Uh, we just had Matt Pryor on from the Get Up Kids, and I wanted to. I forgot to ask him about that, but everyone passed over Kansas City. So maybe someday Kansas City will be cool enough. We've played Kansas City twice. We have. We've played Kansas City. I was honestly there. There's a really good crowd. There's always a good crowd in Kansas City and Arkansas too, and whatever. There's 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 an alt rock station in Kansas City called 96.5 that. It's a it's a corporate station, but they kind of have some independence, and they've kind of been a tastemaker in the Midwest for uh, for a while. Yeah, so that's it's kind of an underrated area. Anyway, that's my little yeah. Kansas City bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, yeah, we're really happy that you're coming back to New York, and you seem everything's going really well for you. Um, and really excited for this movie. I didn't even know about it, and now I'm like the score, and like it just seems perfect. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to come back and uh, be back on the show soon. In a couple months, maybe. We'll see. You can come in person. We have a studio now. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Next one yeah. will be in person. Let's get crazy. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, Bill. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Demi. Bye, Jordan. Bye. All right. That was Two Feet, Bill Des. Two Feet. How cool was that to have uh, Bill on again? And now we're in a studio with... Uh, you know, it's kind of echoey. We'll have, we'll, it'll improve over, you'll get to see the studio evolve over the shows. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun. Um, Undegenerous, we're coming through your studio. Shout out. Yeah, she's leaving, um, so we can just move right in. 
you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, guys. So next, or actually not next week, on Thursday, in a couple days, we have Chris Gethard. Uh, really excited to reschedule that show. Um, so it'll be just me. So Demi will be, has some a prior commitment. Uh, you can check out our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, etc. And of course, go on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, for all uh, videos from past Jordan and Demi shows. So we'll see you Thursday. We love you.